Hello, I'm Kate Fisher. Welcome to Milkshakes for Mali, the podcast that tells the survival stories of blood product recipients, to thank donors and to encourage people to donate blood, plasma, platelets or breast milk. And today we will also talk about bone marrow. If you have ever been a donor, you could have been the one to save the life of the guest that we profile here each week on the Milkshakes for Mali podcast. And becoming a donor in the future means that you too could become a part of this story. Today, I would like to introduce you to a wonderful little boy from Tasmania. Seth is 10 now and has a condition called aplastic anemia. Blood and bone marrow have saved his life and given him the opportunity to go back to living a normal childhood. He wanted to give this message. So your mum's just had a little chat to me and told me about all of the amazing things that you have been through. Is there anything that you want to say to blood donors that have helped to make you feel healthy and well again? Thank you, blood donors. Yeah. What do you love doing at the moment? What did you get for Christmas? Um, I got lots of books for Christmas. <laughs> what are you reading? Um, Harry Potter. Oh. I love Harry Potter and I've got a little boy who loves Harry Potter as well. And did your mum tell me that you got a new bike? Yeah. Yeah. Have you been riding that a lot? <laughs> yeah. And you're back at school? Not yet. Still on no. holidays. Yeah. Still on but holidays. yeah, back, back from when you were unwell, didn't you? You got to go back to school pretty soon. So that was good. What year are you going into this year? Year four. Ah, awesome. That's very exciting. So um, it's pretty awesome that blood donors helped with your treatment to allow you just to do all of the normal things now, like fall in love with Harry Potter and ride your bike and go to school this year with your mates. Is that good? Yeah. Perfect, matey. Thank you so much for talking to me. Aplastic anemia is a serious, potentially life-threatening condition caused by your bone marrow failing to create blood cells. It is far more serious than regular anemia that can just be treated with iron supplements. You may have heard it referred to as bone marrow failure. Treatments include bone marrow transplants, chemotherapy, long hospital stays, and a lot of blood products. Here is my chat with Seth's awesome mum about the realities of having a family with additional needs and how blood, plasma, platelets, and bone marrow donors have kept our families together. Okay, good morning, Jess, and welcome to the Milkshakes for Mali podcast. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. Um, now, I've said for over a decade and a half since meeting my beautiful husband that all the best things come from Tasmania. Um, and that's definitely <laughs> true of him, <laughs> the food, the wine, and definitely the gin, which we do order a lot of now that we live in <laughs> Queensland. Um, can you tell me roughly where you live in Tasmania? Yeah, so we are on the northwest coast. Um, so lots of beaches in our area. We actually live in a uh, quite a little beach town. So I love it here. It's absolutely perfect. Um, yeah, and I've always been on the northwest coast. I've never lived anywhere else, and I don't think I ever would. So no, it's so beautiful. It amazes us every time we go down there. How beautiful Tasmania is in so many different ways. Yeah, like you can be you know in the most amazing rainforest, and then on these incredible beaches and the little historic towns, and it's just yeah. a beautiful place <laughs> to holiday. 
Um, we love it down there. Um, now, I have to admit that I had a big cry last night while going through your socials and looking at your journey oh. with your beautiful boy, Seth. Um, yeah. What really got me was seeing the photos of you guys together in a helicopter being airlifted. Um, Marley and I know so much what that's like to be in a helicopter with all that uncertainty um, and being moved to a different state away from the rest of your family and all of the people that you love with so much uncertainty. Yeah. So um, can you tell me about how a bleeding nose changed the whole life of your family? Yeah, sure. So um, Seth had been having a few a few blood noses probably on a weekly or even sometimes a fortnightly sort of basis. He was having a few, um, but you know, I'm aware that, that that's just a thing for some people. Like my fiance, for example, Jared, he quite often gets blood noses. And mm-hmm. so I never really thought anything of it. Um, but yeah, on this particular morning, the the boys, Seth and Logan, were um, returning home to us from being with their dad after Christmas. And um, their dad had sent me a message and notified me that Seth had had a blood nose that had been ongoing for I think it was over an hour and it was his second one already that day. And this was still early in the morning. Um, so I uh, just arranged with him just to meet him at the hospital instead of bringing the boys home. So yeah, I met him, Jared and I met him at the hospital and uh, I went in with Seth and Jared took Logan home. Jared is my fiance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so I guess it was that, and it was also combined with the abnormal bruises that had been appearing on his skin. Um his father had actually sent me a, a photo. He texted me a photo on New Year's Eve of these bruises that were on Seth's arm. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember thinking to myself on New Year's Eve, Jared and I were driving to watch the fireworks. And I remember thinking to myself that I, had, I don't know if I'd read it somewhere or I'd seen it in a movie or something, but I knew that blood noses and abnormal bruising were associated with leukemia. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe I've watched My Sister's Keeper too many times. I I was wondering if that was the movie you were referring to. (laughs) Yes, yes. I'm a huge Jodie Picoult fan and I read that book (laughs) and I watched the movie as soon as it came out. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so, yeah, I remember just thinking that. And uh, anyway, yeah, we um, got him into the hospital and he he was quite pale and and, um, they took him straight in and... um, got a cannula in so that they could take some blood and took a little while. They were a bit busy and it's only, it's one of our smaller hospitals here. It's a very small little community hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, the the doctor, he eventually um, came back and said he had some blood results. And he asked if I would just come with him to a room to have a talk. And, you know, that was sort of a bit of a, a moment for me you know like I I realized that he was wanting me to move away from my child so that he could tell me something yeah how old was Seth at this stage so he was almost eight he's okay. he's a January baby and this was right. New Year's Day um so yeah he was almost eight um but he was quite happy sitting where he was and his nurse was around and so mm-hmm. I went with the doctor and yeah so the doctor sat me down and he told me with a fair amount of certainty um, that the blood test had showed that Seth had leukemia and that he needed to be put on the ambulance plane and flown to Hobart, which is obviously the, the biggest hospital here. Um, 
yeah, it's still, still to this day, you know, I have certain feelings about the way the doctor went around about it. You know, he, he didn't say, look, this might be leukemia or there's a possibility that, you know, he was quite certain about it. He said, you know, your child has leukemia going off these blood tests and yeah. So, so that's, um, that is a moment that lives with me still forever, yeah. even though it turned out not to be that, you know. It, yeah, so in a matter of hours, all of my amazing family were at the hospital mm-hmm. um, helping to keep Seth happy and laughing and whatnot whilst I tried to pull myself together. And, uh, yeah, so we were, the paramedics arrived to put us in the ambulance and take us to the airport so that we could get on the ambulance plane. I am not a flyer at Mm. all. I avoid airplanes at all costs. I, yeah, I don't do well on airplanes and Mm. having to go on this tiny little ambulance plane. Yeah, that's um, tiny, aren't they? With what I'd just been told about my child, I was not in a good place. Um, The paramedics actually did offer me something. They said they could give me something to help me keep calm, but I was too anxious that you know it might make me a bit too calm and I said no I wanted to be present I wanted to be with Seth I said it's fine I'll I'll write it out Mm -hmm. so uh yeah so that's how it started Seth was fine on the plane he yeah he they actually they gave him some headphones so he could hear all the other pilots talking so that was cool um yeah so that was the start of that and we were flown to Hobart and that's yeah Mm. It's the most yeah, surreal experience. I don't think unless you've been through an airlift like that with your child, you can imagine how small it is in there. Mm. Um, and we've been flown when our daughter has been critically unwell in some really scary circumstances. And what they're able to do in the air if something does go wrong yeah. is just phenomenal. Like it's such a tiny space and yeah. I'm just so grateful to the people that do those jobs and yeah, meet people absolutely. in that moment of vulnerability because it's never yeah. really fun. So what happened when you got to Hobart? Um, so we arrived at at the airport because we were on a plane, not a helicopter. We had to fly from airport to airport. We didn't land straight at the hospital. So we were flying to the Hobart airport and the, um, <clears throat> there was another ambulance there ready to meet us and they transported us to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, Seth underwent his first bone marrow biopsy and his first um platelet transfusion so before we were flying when we were still at the smaller hospital they did say to me they said um look he's basically got no platelets that's why his nose won't stop bleeding and why he has these bruises they said his hemoglobin is so low he shouldn't really even be able to function wow whereas you know if it wasn't for the nose bleeding and the bruises, we wouldn't have known anything was wrong. He was his normal self, you know. He was a kid that was on school holidays and he'd been running around enjoying Christmas and everything and, yeah, we would not have known. So, yeah, they did his first transfusion and bone marrow biopsy and they said it would take probably a day, a day and a half to get the results of the bone marrow biopsy, which they were expecting would confirm the leukaemia. So in that time while we were waiting for the results, I... Um, met with pediatric oncologists um, and they talked me through what is involved having a child with leukemia and what things were going to look like for him and I'm going to try not to get emotional well you get as emotional as you need to (laughs) (laughs) um 
Yeah, so, um, you know, and I remember asking them things like, is he going to be able to go to school? Um, and they said, yeah, you know, probably, but he's going to be quite tired from whatever treatment he's going to have. Um, yeah, and things like that. So, um, so yeah, we, um, we just waited basically for the results. I had chosen not to tell Seth. Um, he obviously at that stage didn't know anything about cancer. Um, to my knowledge, he'd never heard of it or anything. And so I, I had told him that the doctors just still weren't quite sure what was wrong. Um, and yeah, it wasn't until early the next morning when the doctors came in and I was thankful that they did come in quite early, um, mm -hmm. with the results of the bone marrow biopsy and they, yeah, they came in and they said to us, um, they said, so there's actually no cancer cells there whatsoever. So they said he does not have leukemia. Um, but that is when they said, they said, but his bone marrow is completely empty. Um, it's not making any cells and we're not really sure why. Um, so they said, obviously, in addition to the, the low red blood cells and the low platelets, they said he's also got, um, you know, nearly no white cells or neutrophils, which means he has no immune system. There's nothing protecting him. So it's very high risk for anything. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I think Hobart kept us for about a week. Uh, maybe a bit less um, during that time on the day, on the day that we were flown down, sorry, Jared did drive down. Um, Logan stayed at home with my mum mm -hmm. and Jared, Jared just drove down as soon as Seth and I were flown down and uh, he didn't really even know where he was going to stay or what was going to happen. He just drove straight down and didn't think about it. Um, but as it turns out, the hospital that we originally went to had already notified Hobart and they had already notified Ronald McDonald House mm -hmm. and they had a room waiting for Jared. So what would that we do was, without Ronald I know House? they are just the oh. most amazing organization. Yeah. Just the most yeah. amazing organization. They were so good. They yeah, they had a room ready for him. Um, and it was a family room as well. So Logan was able to come down with my mum the next day, I think it was. And uh yeah, he and Jared and Logan stayed just across the road at Ronald McDonald House. So mm -hmm. That was really, really good. Um, the boy's father, he actually lives in Hobart where this hospital is, so he was also able to be there with Seth. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it was about a week. And, uh, yeah, they just said, look, we don't really know. We can't find any answers. And uh, that's when they told us that we were going to fly to Melbourne to the Royal Children's Hospital. And, geez, I remember crying about that to Jared. Like, <laughs> I just... I cried and cried so much and you know that's me I'm an anxious person I'm a you know panic person I think of the worst in every possible way and whereas Jared's more rational which is good um and he said to me you know we haven't actually been given any bad news you know they've they've just said we just need to go to a bigger hospital but they haven't actually given us bad news so yeah. um yeah so we we got ready and uh uh, we all went, so myself and Jared and both Seth and Logan, because um, we didn't, yeah, didn't really want to leave Logan behind. Yeah. Um, How old was Logan at this stage? So they, Seth and Logan are three years apart almost to the day. Right. So they're the 16th and the 19th of January. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he, what does that make him? He was almost five. That's right. He was almost five because he was about to start kindergarten. Right. School. Right. Yes. Yeah, so, um, yes, so we all went over there and um, 
that's where we first met with um, the specialist, the specialist, and he started talking to us about what the possibilities were, and that was when aplastic anemia was mm -hmm. first mentioned. Um, and he did not want to diagnose that straight away. He said there is a slight chance that Seth has just had some kind of bug that has just caused his immune system to malfunction and mm -hmm. there's a slight chance that it'll just kick back into gear and start working right so um yeah so he didn't want to diagnose him straight away he wanted to wait and see what would happen mm -hmm. um so we we were lucky that Seth didn't have to be an inpatient um he he didn't have to stay on the ward there's actually a a hotel that's it's all in the same building as the Royal Children's Hospital it's all attached you can just walk down the hallway and be in the hotel um so that's convenient and we just stayed there um yeah so we stayed there and continued daily blood tests and transfusions and things like that um mm -hmm. then <laughs> there's the other the other interesting part of our trip when we were over there with Logan so um, Jared was up in the hotel room with Seth. Seth was just having a bit of a rest and because he was so high risk, he really wasn't meant to go outside anywhere. Yep. But it was the middle, the middle of summer and Logan, you know, was getting a bit cooped up in the hotel room. So I took Logan outside for a play. Um, and there's also, there's a really beautiful nature playground at the hospital. You just walk out the, out the doors and yeah, it's a beautiful playground, beautiful setup. And they've also got, um, They've got a cemented water play area where water shoots up out of the cement right. and the kids just run around in it. And because it was the middle of summer and so hot, Logan wanted to go in the water. And I said, well, yes, that's fine. Um, and probably within, within the first two minutes, I reckon, Logan came and sat down next to me and said that he couldn't breathe properly. Oh. And he does have a bit of, he has a bit of asthma. So right. I just put it down, I put it down to that and I gave him his puffer. And he stayed sitting next to me and, yeah, then I I looked at him and I noticed that his face was swelling up, his lips were swelling up. There was a rash spreading like wildfire and it was like big welts. Oh, no. And I, thankfully, um, because I've also I've always worked in either, I started in childcare and now I do disability, so I've always had to be up to date with first aid training and yeah, sure. asthma and anaphylaxis training. And I did actually myself have a random once off anaphylactic reaction once, I think it was 2007. Wow. Um, so because of all these things, I knew exactly what was happening. <laughs> and uh, so I literally picked him up and threw him over my shoulder and just ran straight into the building, down the hallway, down the stairs into emergency. Thank God that's where we were. Like <laughs> You're going to have an anaphylactic response. Being in a children's hospital is a pretty good place to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if I've got something to be thankful for, it's definitely that. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I took him in and, and I said to him, you know, my child's having an anaphylactic reaction and they just came from everywhere and grabbed him and took him through and gave him the full Nev mask and the adrenaline and, and things like that. And, uh, yeah, so they uh, they gave us some scripts for some EpiPens because he'd had adrenaline. We had to stay in emergency for, I think it was four hours we had right. to stay. Um, so, yeah, Jared was still up in the hotel room with with Seth, so I had to call him to tell him what was going on. Uh, yeah, so did so, you work out what he'd had a reaction to? No. So oh, wow. 
um, they they did some blood tests and they um, got him a referral to see an um, allergy specialist while we were there at the children's hospital. Um, and before we actually saw the allergy specialist though, which three days later after this happened, Logan and I were outside again. And I had... I have a lot of mum guilt over this, I'll be honest. I thought to myself, let's be honest, it was not water that gave my child anaphylaxis. You know, it would have had to have been something else. We don't know what it was, but it was not water. Yeah. And so we were outside again and I told Logan that if he wanted to play in the water, he could. Yep. Yeah. Reasonable. And I would have done exactly the same thing. Within minutes, we were repeating the process. Oh, no. We ran back down to emergency and I actually picked up on it so quickly and got him down to emergency so quickly. And I told them at the front desk, I said, he's having an anaphylactic reaction. And they took him through. They got him on the bed and the nurses and doctors were watching him and they were saying to me, um, you know, it doesn't actually appear like it's anaphylaxis. And I, I said to them, we just did this three days ago. I yep. said, I am certain. I said, I've just got here so quick because, you know, we were just outside. And yeah, we gave, gave it a few more minutes and they, yeah, administ administered the adrenaline because it was anaphylaxis. Yeah, um, yeah so, so he saw the allergist and, and whatnot and uh, nothing ever came of it. They're calling it idiopathic, mm -hmm. which is actually, which is what they call Seth's aplastic anemia as well, which is yep. the fancy word for we don't know what's caused this. <laughs> um yeah so now we have an EpiPen. we just don't know what it's for Good. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah um and when they did the the blood tests for that I had actually because the doctors had spoken to me about the possibility of Seth needing a bone marrow transplant um and they had said to me that they would only do that as the first line of treatment if Seth had a sibling who was a full match. Right. So when the allergist um, told me that Logan would need to go and have these blood tests, I contacted Seth's team upstairs and I said, look, if you want Logan's blood, I'd like you yep. to do it now. So he only has to go through the blood Absolutely. test once. Yep. And they were really good and got the forms all organised and it all happened all in the same, the same mm -hmm. test. Um, but, yeah, the blood results came back and he was not a match for Seth. Okay. Um. And so we were we were flown back home um, to just wait and see if Seth's um, immune system was going to start working again and whatnot. Um, we we were told we could fly home on January fifteen, um, which is the day before Logan's birthday. So mm -hmm. I was really relieved that we were going to be home in time for both their birthdays. Yeah. But would you have it, Mother Nature? came into play and there was a massive storm and our flights were cancelled weren't they <laughs> so, so we were we were at the airport waiting for a long time before they made the call to cancel the flights and um it was quite late getting into the night at that point and you know the lines at the airport just started getting really long at all the desks with people trying to arrange what was going to happen and where they were mm -hmm. going to go um and yeah they were arranging with a, an immune suppressed kid yes yeah so there was that and you know there were people everywhere and then I thought of the fact that you know we no longer had our luggage with us and our luggage had this huge big pile of medication in it that yeah, Seth yeah, was yeah. all of a sudden taking and yeah so I I was all full of all kinds of anxious feelings I guess and mm -hmm. it was a really 
stressful sort of place but thankfully you know the staff that were really understanding they did say that you know everyone really wasn't getting their luggage back for the night the luggage was going to stay wherever it was and and whatnot and I explained the situation and yeah so they they thankfully got that back for us and we caught a little shuttle bus to a motel stayed there and flew home the next morning on Logan's birthday. <laughs> Life's never um, the same again once you've got a high-risk kid. It's just like no. you have to calculate every single decision that you make and you're constantly doing risk assessments and you can't be flexible and, yeah, life's yeah. never quite the same again. Um, so the full no. name of Seth's condition is severe idiopathic acquired aplastic anemia. I managed That's to get one. that out right, didn't I? <laughs> Yes. Did it surprise you how quickly you were able to speak in medical terms with your health professionals um, using the medical tom- terminology and language around Seth's condition? Um, yeah, I guess it did um, in a way, but I mean, I do, I do work in disability and I support a wide variety of people with who have conditions with all kinds of names. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there's that, um, and my mum and my sister are also both nurses, so I'm used Amazing. to a little bit of little bit of medical medical talk. Yeah, um, yeah, but it's it's definitely a a long one to wrap your head around, I guess. Yeah, um, Seth's Seth's has the term acquired in right. it because there are some other forms of aplastic anemia that um, there's a one that can be inherited. Mm-hmm. Um, which I believe is Falcone anemia. Um, there's also, you can get it from exposure to certain chemicals such as chemotherapy and other things. Right. Um, but Seth's is idiopathic acquired because he's just acquired it for no known reason. There's no, mm-hmm. nothing has caused him to have it. Um, yeah, so that's where that comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I explained at the top of the episode how different this is to just normal anemia that you could have treated with some yes. supplements or whatever yeah. and how yeah. different that is. So I've put in an explanation at the top of the episode about what all of yes. that actually means. <laughs> yeah, yes. So can you tell me about the blood products that were used as part of Seth's treatment? Um, I had a look at some of the posts on your social media and it appears that at one stage he didn't go for more than a few days without a blood or a platelet transfusion. Yeah, no, he definitely didn't. They were um, definitely very close together, most of them. Um, so when we were when we were flown home, just to sort of wait it out and see what was going to happen, um, he was still yeah needing constant transfusions, which had to be done obviously at a bigger hospital, not just our little community one that's closest to us. So we were travelling to the bigger hospital, which is about thirty to forty minutes drive away. Mm-hmm. Um, Any time that he would get a really bad blood nose. Um, his team in Melbourne had said to us that, yeah, he would need to go into the hospital. And um, and his petechiae, which I learnt the term of and learnt what that was. So that was his other thing when he presented on the very first day at the little hospital with the bruises and the blood noses. He also had this really strange-looking rash on him and um, nobody actually knew what that was and it wasn't until we got to Melbourne that it was explained to us that that's petechiae and that shows up when you have a very low platelet count. Um, so it was a good little way, really, if his nose wasn't bleeding, you know, there would be petechiae would come up on his skin and we'd right. know that he would go in for a platelet transfusion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, that happened on his birthday morning, didn't it, oh, January 19? 
he woke up and he came in and showed me his hands and that he had petechiae all up his hands. Um, yeah, so we had already had to make the hard decision to cancel his birthday party, being that he was so high risk. Yeah. Um, which is I've hard been when you mum. I've had to went, do that. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, luckily I had a couple of mum friends that helped to contact all the parents that have been invited and let everyone know. Um, yeah, so on his birthday morning, we just we went over and had the platelet transfusion and whatnot and just did sort of a small family lunch um, at home for his birthday. Um, yeah, and so, yeah, he was on constant platelet and red blood cell transfusions, which at this point was really, really awful to watch because he was having to be cannulated every single time he needed a transfusion. And it got to the point where the last time he was cannulated, um, it took four attempts yeah, to cannulate him because it's they'd cool. used yeah. up all these good veins. And it's, oh, I remember that night, it was awful. Mm -hmm. And I was actually, I was very thankful. That was one of the nights that my sister who actually works at that hospital, um, she was on night shift. And right. so she actually came down to emergency and he loved that. He loved yeah. having her there. And mm -hmm. so that really helped him in a way. So um yeah, but uh, definitely made us thankful to get the Hickman line in that we eventually ended up getting in Melbourne. Yeah, they're amazing. So Marley um, has had a, a central, a port and central line in. We've recently yep. had it removed, but she calls it her special button. And now she's yeah, got okay. a special line from the scar. And we always gave her the option whether she wanted to access special button or whether she wanted teddies, which is what she calls cannulas because it's always got a teddy sticker on it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Always said that she wanted special button instead. So yeah. Yeah, she was very sad when we had to have it removed. Um, oh, have okay. It, um, and we had to have it removed and she was just devastated when it had to come in. Oh, no. But when she woke up and she still got the scar from where it was in, she was like, oh, I've still got my special line. I've still got my bravery line. So everyone still knows how brave I am. I'm like, absolutely, baby. And you yeah. will have that forever so that we will yeah. always know how brave you are. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um. So now things are a lot more stable with Seth now from the looks of yeah. things. Um, is this likely something that could come back? Like how much do you have to monitor him now? How much has it changed his life? Or could things just, could just be a horrible nightmare that your family had and you can just get on with life? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I remembered saying to my sister at one stage that I, I wish it was a nightmare. Um, mm. We were on the ward at the Bernie hospital and, Seth had finally fallen asleep in his room and um, whenever he fell asleep, that was my chance that I would take to cry it all out. Yeah. Um, it's no word of a lie when I tell people that I cried every single night of January yeah. um, and the first half of February, I, whether he was at home or in hospital, once he was asleep, I would sit on the end of his bed and I I would just cry and look at him because I was so scared of not knowing what was going to happen. And yeah, this particular night at the hospital, I, I walked down the hallway from the children's ward to the ward where my sister works and she saw me and she said, are you okay? And I nodded my head, but then I started crying and mm. I said to her, I just want it all to be a bad dream and be over. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, so things are, are stable with Seth now. Um, in the early days, his blood tests were um, like twice a week. Um, 
after and that was after he'd had the treatment so I don't know we probably want to go into detail about that I feel like we've skipped the actual treatment that he had I said he didn't have a bone marrow transplant (laughs) um but yeah so when they don't do the bone marrow transplant as the treatment what they do is um ATG immunotherapy um so that's that's where he had the Hickman line inserted into his chest and the ATG was run through his Hickman line over four days on the ward um and I I remember doing my my part of research about this ATG and being so shocked when I learned that it is actually derived from horses right yeah I'm I'm a huge animal lover and a huge horse lover and I do my fair share of horse riding and I just I had I had such like a lot of shock about that and a lot of mixed feelings I was like how does that work and and whatnot but so that's that's where it comes from anyway and yes so it uh over four days they ran that in through his Hickman line and we were warned really well in advance, Jared and I, um, from his nurses. They said, look, this is a really harsh treatment. They said mm-hmm. it's going to make him feel a lot worse before it makes him feel better, if it makes him feel better. Um, they said his heart rate, it's going to drop. Don't panic if we push the emergency button. We expect mm-hmm. these things to happen, um, which is why they do give a big dose of pre-meds before they start running the treatment. Um, and in the pre-meds is a big dose of Finergan. Yep. And I don't, I don't know how we got so lucky, but Seth had no side effects from this treatment. You would not wow. have even known having it. The only thing that happened was he slept through all four of them from the Finergan. <laughs> we, we got so lucky and I'm so mm-hmm. grateful for that because I was terrified. <laughs> um, his body even tolerated it running through the machine at the highest rate. Um, so it got, it got done quite quickly. They had said, you know, some some children, their bodies really can't take it, so they have to run it so slow that it can take days. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, so we were, we were very lucky there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so he had that treatment and then, yeah, he was on twice-a-week blood tests. Um, we had to remain as inpatients for, I think, about a week um, so that they could sort of be sure that nothing was going to go wrong from the treatment and then we were actually allowed to be discharged into an, a little apartment which is just over the road from the hospital yeah um, which the, the Tassie government paid for for us mm-hmm. so that's that's a good setup um and yeah we just had to cross the road every day go back to the hospital for tests and checkups and things um and yeah Jared was there with us um, we're very lucky that Jared does what he does. He's an Australia-wide truck driver based out right. of Tasmania. Yeah. So his bosses had actually said to him, "Look, you can just do the local Melbourne work, um, and that way he could still he could still work." Because as I'm sure you know, when you've got a sick kid, your bills don't stop. No, they don't. That mortgage um, still paid. Yes. So, uh, yeah, he was able to still work and still be at the hospital with us every night or at the apartment and. And on any days where big things were happening, like treatment and stuff, he was able to just be there with us. Um, so we were really lucky for that. Um, and uh, Logan was back home in Tassie with my mum. We'd sort of made the decision that it was best for him to stay at home with family and routine and because he was about to start kindergarten. Mm. Um, so I was able to take him take him to his first day of kinder and then we had to fly out. So I wasn't able to pick him up mm-hmm. after that and sort of missed his first 
Um, such a juggle, weeks. isn't it? It's such <laughs> yes. a juggle. Um, yeah, so, but, yeah, we decided that as hard as it was to leave him behind, that was better for him. Mm. Um, but, yeah, at one stage my mum and her partner, um, they did fly him over and come and stay with us for a bit in Melbourne, so that was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, they just they stayed at the hotel that I mentioned earlier is at the hospital and then for one night we actually swapped and they stayed in our little apartment with the kids and Jared and I went and got a night to ourselves in the hotel, yeah, which was lovely. Nice. That's really important. Yeah. yeah, but in terms of what you asked about, um, is it likely to come back or happen again? Um, so relapse is a thing just as it is with leukaemia. Um, everything about the condition is actually, it's very similar to leukaemia, like it does present in the same way and a lot right. of the treatments and meds are the same. Um, some people even say they say it's leukemia without the cancer cells because everything else is pretty much the same. Right. Um, so yes, relapse is a thing. And I did, I have emailed, I emailed Seth's specialist at the Royal Children's there at one stage and did say to him, um, you know, just what are the chances? I just, I would like to know mm. what are the chances of um, relapse. And yeah, he said that with such a quick and successful response that Seth had to the treatment it makes relapse a lot less likely mm, and he amazing. did say that he is um he's quietly hopeful and positive that um yeah that that won't happen because Seth has honestly been like a poster child for aplastic anemia he has breezed mm -hmm. through just about everything he's even now he's still on the cyclosporin which is the immunosuppressant medication um, and that's known to have some really, really awful side effects. Yeah, um, heard that. Like, yeah, really excessive hair growth. I have seen photos of other children where you can barely see the skin on their arms and their mm. legs from the hair growth. Mm. Um, and the gum swelling so much yes. that you can hardly see the teeth. Yeah. And the, the only thing that um, it has done to Seth is that he now has these big, beautiful, bushy eyebrows that were all very jealous. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, I keep saying to him, I pay to have that done, you know. Yeah. The boys <laughs> always get the beautiful, big, bushy eyelashes and the big, beautiful yes. eyebrows. Yeah. Um, so can you tell me about the association you have with AFL players, Nick and Jack Rewalt, the St Kilda Football Club and Maddie's Vision? Yes, so um, yeah, Maddie's Vision got in contact with us while we we're on the ward um, in Melbourne um, after Seth's treatment. I think it was. Um, I had I grew up being a St Kilda supporter, right? So um, I was actually aware of the Maddie's Vision Foundation. Mm -hmm. um, and I say I grew up being a St Kilda supporter because, truth be honest, once I started seeing Jared five years ago I've slowly but surely been converted to a West Coast Eagles supporter <laughs> um, but I do I grew up being a Saint supporter just because my dad was always a Saint supporter yeah. uh, my dad passed away when I was quite young so I still do always follow sort of the Saints and watch their games as well yeah. it gets a bit interesting when it's a Saints versus Eagles game <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, yes, they contacted us um, because Koala Kids, which is another amazing organisation, they had come and handed out some presents on the ward. Right. Um, and the lady who was running, who runs that organisation, she met us. Um, and because we're, we're, we're on the paediatric oncology ward um, and she came across Seth and I started having a chat with her and explaining 
that yes, Seth is on the oncology ward, but Seth doesn't actually have cancer. Yeah. And I explained that he has aplastic anemia. And then she mentioned um, what a close um, relationship she has with Maddie's vision. Right. And she asked to pass on our details to them. Mm-hmm. So, yes, she did that. And uh, they contacted us. And, um, uh, yeah, they said that they would really love it if we could organise to do um, uh, an interview with them yeah. for uh, Channel 7, I think it may have been. Um, Yeah, they said if Seth and I were happy to do that, they'd love to do an interview with us. And they said um, that they would also love it um, if Seth and I could come to the upcoming Maddie's Match game. Awesome. Um, They said, look, Seth will have some um, really cool opportunities on the day. He'll get to do some really cool things and meet the players and whatnot. Um, They said, obviously, we would be seated somewhere where Seth would be safe. Yep. and, um, And all of that um and so yeah we were very very excited about that Mm. and then and then COVID COVID. and the match the match got canned Mm -hmm. so um uh yeah so that happened and uh yeah we weren't able to go and do that which was a shame but um Mm. you know they did say that they'll be able to offer Seth some more opportunities in the future and um Mm. they've stayed in contact since they um have sent Seth little things in the mail and stuff like that Mm. um which is lovely and they have a telehealth nurse who just calls us once in a while to check in and see how we're going so yeah that's yeah that's really really good yeah and it's good just to have an organization that's all about aplastic anemia because there really isn't any I mean as similar as it is to leukemia there's so much information and charities and organizations and support out there for leukemia yeah but for bone marrow failure you know um it's Maddie's vision yeah yeah um but having said that, the Leukemia Foundation do actually support aplastic anemia families, right? Um, which is really good of them. So they've provided us with, um, you know, things like um, Coles, I think, shopping gift cards and things like that and yep. any sort of support that we've needed. They've, um, mm-hmm. they've been really nice and good to help there as well. So, yeah, um, yeah so we have a really good um, relationship with Maddie's Vision and it's so mm-hmm. nice just to have them there and know that we can chat to them about anything um personally we haven't had the opportunity to meet jack or nick because we didn't get to go to that match um hopefully you know it'd be cool if we could one day in the future yeah um because they've got a tasmanian connection as well don't they did they grow up yeah yeah Yeah, they did um nick's mum fiona did actually find me on facebook and so she has been in contact with me so she's lovely yeah Um, we've found um just a shout out to the afl and so many of Mm. those teams we've got a really close connection with the gws giants and they have done some phenomenal things for marley and for our family not just for marley herself but also our older boys you know sending them supporters packs and um Callan Ward and Phil Davis have been amazing sending video messages to the kids and just going and surprising the boys in their classroom when Marley was having a really rough time. We were in Sydney in hospital and Jeff and the boys were back in Canberra and they just went and knocked on the door of the classroom. Yeah, Callan right. took Thomas out to go and kick a football just when he was supposed yeah. to be doing classwork. You know? <laughs> yeah. It just, and those little things just, you know, when your whole family's going through something really difficult like that, those little things can yeah. just make everyone's morale so much. And 
Um, yeah, part of what yeah. we do with Bigger Podcast is try to change the narrative from special needs child and get people talking about additional needs families. Yes. Because when you have someone in your family that is sick like that, it impacts the whole entire family. And, you know, yeah. you were saying before your fiancé, you know, whether he could work or not and the way that it impacts, you know, your financial situation and your social situation yeah. and your friends and your family and, you know, particularly having an immunocompromised child during a global health pandemic in terms of those support structures that you've got available to you. So we're trying to broaden that conversation a little bit more. So I'm so glad that you have found that support with Maddie's vision and also with the AFL. And I hope you get to go to one of those big games because they are a lot of fun. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, that'd be good. So yeah, hopefully we'll get there in the future. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows at the moment with what everything's looking like. So So can you tell me about a day in Seth's life now? Um, What does he love to do? Does he have any limitations to his activities? What does just a normal day in his life look like? Yeah, so um, no, in terms of limitations, he really, he doesn't have any. Um, I try, I've tried during this whole process not to put any on him and to, keep my fears and my anxious yeah. mother nerves about about his low platelet count and what That's happens cool. if he's playing and falls over, what happens if he gets hit hard by a ball, you know. Yeah. Try to keep all that just on me and not place limitations on him and tell him if he wants to have a go at something, he absolutely can, mm-hmm. um, which is a lot easier now because his, his blood counts are doing amazing. That's wonderful. Um, so he's, he's on monthly blood tests now. Um, and we have the same lovely um, lady takes his blood every month and uh, she she actually does all the all the children's blood tests. So she's very good at what she does and mm-hmm. she's very good with the kids. Um, and ever since day one, she has sung this um, sung this song to him to get him through the blood test. And um, just it's made him just giggle and laugh through all of his yeah. blood tests. Um, obviously, we didn't have to do this when we first came home to Tassie because he came home with the Hickman line. Yeah, in. sure. Um, but he only had to have that in for five months and then his blood count started improving so much he was allowed to have it removed. Right. Um, so then went back to normal blood tests. Um, and, yeah, recently at one of his blood tests a couple of months ago, he said to me, Mum, I don't think I need her to sing the song for me anymore. Oh. So- <laughs> That's such a big boy thing to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and yeah, no. So I said, okay, well, we'll see how you go next time. You can tell her that if you like. And yeah, no, he, he said to her, I don't need the song anymore. And <laughs> he just, so, how old is he now? So he's about to be ten. Oh, um, yeah, and he just loves. At the moment, actually, he has this rapidly increasing love for reading that has just come out of nowhere amazing um he discovered harry potter on netflix and he um he watched the first three and it's only the first three that are on the children's netflix the other ones are on the adults netflix so i actually haven't let him watch the rest of them yet because i'm trying to refresh my memory on what they're actually like um but i said to him you know you can read the books um So, so he started reading the books and then it's just growing from there. He's got so many different collections of books oh, in his room. That's and amazing. It's, it's what he asked for for Christmas. And then two nights ago, my mum took both the boys birthday shopping um, so that they could just pick out their own birthday presents and they came home with all these books from oh, Kmart. <laughs> so. That is like my dream. That would be my favourite thing in the whole world to happen. <laughs> um, 
but having having said that you know he does have the very popular obsession of technology at the moment yeah. it's just that um jared and i are the the lesser fun parents in the way that we don't have a lot of that in our house we don't yeah. own any ipads yeah. um it certainly does have its place and things like that in terms of seth being in hospital yeah it was a it was a blessing what else can you do you know, yeah he, yeah, yeah. I I had gone and just bought a secondhand iPad from someone, and he has, um, it was a Nintendo Switch that's yep. kept at their dad's house, and his dad had given him that, and yeah, they were and they were amazing yeah. to have in. What else can you do? The amount of screen yeah. time that Marley had as a three year old compared to what our older boys had had. But what can you do? Yeah. Like when they're stuck in a hospital bed all the time like that. Yes, and yeah, when he's not allowed to really go outside and do anything because it's too risky, you know, there was yep. there was a lot of it, and. That's just the way it was. Um, so yeah, he definitely he loves all that sort of stuff, but it's more of a um, when we go to dad's house sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, a bike riding at home because he just got yeah, a new bike awesome. for Christmas and he, he loves that and that's all well and good. And then there's obviously his big brother duties with his baby brother because he's just obsessed with yeah. his baby brother. Just yeah. <laughs> How special. Oh, he's so, so good with him. They both are, Seth and Logan, but... Um, yeah just yeah absolutely in love with him so it's quite a big age gap between the two older ones and Noah but it's so good because they've yeah. been able to you know really be involved with everything and be excited about it yeah, and that's really cool um it was actually of course on the day that Seth and I were finally allowed to fly home from Melbourne and come back to Tassie um that I found out I was pregnant oh. so <laughs> that's a lot of big feelings in a short amount of time <laughs> It just, it was so, I mean, it was, un, it was unexpected, but I mean, Jared and I had had the conversation about having a baby of our own for a little while. And we'd actually been trying for a bit over a year and it sort of got to the point where, you know, it didn't really look like it was going to happen. And, yep. um, you know, Jared was having some tests and things done and the doctors were saying, you know, it could be better. Mm. Um, so we'd sort of reached the point where we didn't really think it was going to happen for us. Mm. Um, and then we were staying, we were living in our little apartment in Melbourne and, um, we'd been there for a few weeks and we sort of had a chat and I said to Jared, you know, as much as we <laughs> don't really think we're going to fall pregnant, um, maybe we should just start being a little bit careful because we yeah. don't know what's going to happen with Seth yet. And it's really obviously right really not, not the ideal time. So we agreed to do that. And the following week we got told we could go <laughs> home and I flew home with Seth and I will be honest with you, one of the first places I went was the bottle shop because I wanted some wine. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> because we had been trying, you know, there were pregnancy tests in the house and I'm the kind of anxious person that thinks, oh, you know, if I'm going to have a few glasses, I'll just, I'll take a test just so I can just make absolutely sure. certain that yeah. that's a safe thing to do. Um, so I took the test and never opened my wine. <laughs> wow. um, yeah, it just, you know... The universe just thought that was the right time, apparently. It's just no time happen. to be in your world. <laughs> it, it was, was just his time. It was. Now, we close out the um, episode today. I'm going to read you back one of your Instagram posts. And okay. I just want you to listen to that and then, yeah, answer it with what you would like to say to blood donors who have saved Seth's, Seth's life and kept your family together and also um, to anyone who's considering donating in the future. 
So you wrote, it's 2020, not a day has gone by that I haven't cried, where I haven't begged for this to all magically resolve. Not a single day has gone by without this huge painful ache in my heart. I am his mother and I can't do a single thing to protect him from this. Australian blood donors did protect him from this. What would you like to say to them? Oh, <laughs> just remembering how I felt when I was writing that post. Oh, yeah, no, I, I struggle quite often to find the words when I talk to people about blood donors at the moment. Um, and if I'm being honest, I can't recall if I mentioned on Seth's page or not that I recently went back to start donating blood, um, which is something that I've always done, but obviously during pregnancy and then 11 months of breastfeeding, I wasn't That's donating. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I went back for my first donation in quite some time after having gone through everything with Seth. And I was sitting there in the donation chair, just looking at all the other people in there that were donating. And I just became a mess. I just yeah. cried so much. And I just, I said to the, the girls that were there doing my blood, I said, if it wasn't for all these people that are in here right now, taking the time out of their day, I said, I would have had to say goodbye to my child. Yeah. If this wasn't a thing, if people didn't do this, you know, mm. And so I just, it's so hard to find the words about how thankful and how grateful you are to those people because they just, they do, they take the time out of their, their day. They do it for nothing, you know, and yeah, there's, there will never be a thank you big enough, really. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm. Thank you so much, Jess. Thank you for being part of the Milkshakes for Marley podcast. And we wish your family all the best and to have many, many, many more years together. Thank you. We absolutely feel the same about your family. I mean, I know you said at the start of the episode, you had a bit of a cry over my Instagram last <laughs> night. That was absolutely me when I listened to your introductory um, episode and I was on my way to work and I'm thinking, you know, I've done my makeup. I need to, I need to hold it together. <laughs> It, it was very hard and uh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we're, no, we're very you. lucky for australian blood donors we are absolutely as jess says in this interview i wish it was a nightmare these are the words that so many carers utter every day wishing that the illness injury or disability that their loved ones experience would resolve I'm so thrilled for Jess and Seth and their families that they get to have so many more days together as a family. One of the things that we would really love to highlight as part of this episode is how simple it is to be a bone marrow donor. I'll pop a link to all the information in our show notes, but if you just search Australian Bone Marrow Donor Registry, you'll find more information. And also a big shout out to the St Kilda Football Club and Maddie's Vision and all of the other charities and support organisations that support families with additional needs. We love telling stories like this through the Milkshakes for Mali podcast. And if you have a story to tell, please get in contact with us through our Facebook or Instagram pages. One of the beauties of this podcast is that we can create awareness about a variety of different conditions. So if you um, have something that you'd like to highlight, just jump in and have a chat. Um, and we'll see what we could do about creating an episode for your organisation. Nothing feels more Australian like the modern demonstration of mateship than donating blood or breast milk or bone marrow and this product being used to keep another Australian alive. Our daughter is still alive today because of this incredible selfless gift and it is my privilege to create a space for others to tell their stories and to give thanks. 
This podcast is written and presented by me, Kate Fisher. Today's guests were Seth and Jessica, who told their story of aplastic anemia. Marley's dad, my lovely husband Jeff, did the audio production for this episode. To make an appointment to donate plasma or other blood products in Australia, please go to www.lifeblood.com.au and we would love it if you could add your donation to the Milkshakes for Marley Lifeblood Team Tally. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Milkshakes for Marley. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and share this episode with a friend. And as always, I will leave the final word to Marley. Thank you for my plasma.